Welcome to My African Aesthetic, a podcast that interrogates the African aesthetic in African architecture and design. On this podcast, you'll hear about the work, philosophy, and design process of African architects and designers practicing in Africa and the diaspora. My name is Eunice Nanzala Schumacher. I'm a Ugandan architect and designer living and working in Norway. And my name is Penina Achayo Laker. I am a Ugandan graphic designer researcher, and educator living and practicing in the USA. Our podcast features conversations with designers working to provide architecture and design solutions for Africa. We would like this to become a platform where our guests share their knowledge and experiences on designing in the diverse, hybrid, and dynamic socioeconomic, cultural, and political African context. We are looking forward to embarking on this journey with you. Today's guest is Doreen Adengo, an architect based in Kampala. Much of Doreen's work is focused on communicating the value of professional design services in African cities. In a context where non-designers often build their own homes, schools and other structures, she believes that it's critical to make the case that architects and urban planners can improve people's everyday lives, helping cities develop sustainably. After completing her undergraduate and graduate studies at the Catholic University and Yale, respectively, Doreen worked for design firms in London, Washington, D.C., and New York. She has taught at the New School and Pratt Institute in New York and at Uganda Matters University, and until recently served as a visiting critic at University of Johannesburg's Graduate School of Architecture. She also runs an architecture firm in Kampala called Adengo Architecture, Okay, Doreen, thank you for joining us on this edition of the My African Aesthetic Podcast. We're really excited to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Awesome. So we usually just like to start off the podcast by inviting our guests to tell us a little bit more about themselves. So who is Doreen Adango? <laughs> Good question. I'm an architect based in Kampala. I'm running a practice. Um, I also teach at Uganda Matters University. Start. Um, but if we were to take you a little bit back to your childhood, uh, could you describe for us what growing up was like for you? What kind of upbringing did you have? And feel free to highlight any specific moments that are memorable for you uh, or people perhaps that uh, stick out to you in your past. Okay, so I grew up in Kampala, um, in Mutungo, to be specific. And um, what's unique about um, growing up is we, um, when I was eight, moved into a house that was designed by an architect, a good friend of my dad's. And um, I realize now that knowing an architect at a very young age had a huge impact on me. And just um, seeing him run his practice and understanding uh, what he did at a very young age uh, was very inspiring. So um, that's one aspect of my childhood that um, I think about um, more carefully now. Well, you know, I, I find it amazing that you grew up in a home that you knew was built by an architect. In all the conversations Eunice and I have had in like the recent few months or the interviews we've had with other architects or designers, I think you're the first one that 
can clearly point back to uh, the beginning of this journey to that point in your understanding that someone built that house that you're living in. Because I obviously, in my own personal upbringing, did not know architecture or had never met any architects. So it's very unique and I think really interesting that you um, knew of someone and actually quickly identified that architects build houses and they design houses. So that stood out to me. Eunice, I, I don't know if that was unique to you too. Well, I agree with you, Penina, on that. And I'm I'm just wondering how, I mean, even if you were, you, you, you lived in a house designed by an architect and probably were aware of the profession of an architect and what they did. So it wasn't, it wasn't difficult, it wasn't unreachable for you. But still, I'm, I'm just wondering, how did you arrive at architecture? How did you decide to, to take that journey? That's a good question. So um, my parents always wanted me to be a doctor. Now they, they won't admit it. <laughs> they, now they say they always wanted me to be an architect. <laughs> but they always wanted me to be a doctor. And so, as you know, when you get to A-levels, you then have to choose these combinations physics, chemistry, biology, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I had to do. And so by choosing that, I couldn't add art. So I had to drop art. And I remember being really miserable those two years. Um, and actually the art teacher was also upset, I remember. Um, then I was fortunate that uh, when I got to the U.S., I realized that the U.S. education system, they don't care what you did for A-levels. You could pick any major. So um, mm-hmm. I decided, I mean, it's, it's it's actually, and when I think back, a tough decision to have made at that age, I was 18, to move to a new country and then say, you know what, I'm just going to change the direction and inform my parents, because that's what I did. And I decided to just choose a profession that I knew would allow me to draw. And then because I knew what an architect did, that's how I ended up picking architecture. And the rest is history. Um, I think when I, when I decided, I didn't know fully fully what the, the um, profession entailed. But I think the decision was informed by already having seen an architect at, at a younger age. I think Eunice and I, in um, having these conversations with practicing architects and designers, we, we realized that there are going to be some young, perhaps even still in school, um, young people that might be listening that, are probably also at that point in their journey where they're having to make some really hard decisions around one, choosing how to curate the rest of your education for a specific career path, but then also the convincing of parents. Mm-hmm. And you talk about you talked about how, you know, once you moved to the US and realized that, you know, you could actually study what you wanted to do. How did you, what did it take to convince them? Did you convince them <laughs> while still studying or did that come a few years later? No, I remember, so I had to decide in the very first semester. That way, you know, you're not wasting, I know, resources, you know, taking courses. That So I remember I decided the very first uh, semester because the first course, if I was going, I was going to do pre-med, the first course was actually a lab. And I remember walking into the lab and just thinking very strongly, this is not where... I should be. And mm. um, then I had an, ad- an advisor. I think one of the great things about the American education also, there's always this advisor. So there's someone I sat down and spoke to and just explained the dilemma. They helped guide me towards the architecture program. And um, I remember I actually applied and then also transferred into uh, Catholic University. That's where I did my undergrad. And um, I guess the advice 
that I so I never really had to convince my parents because so I guess I'll backtrack a bit. My dad went to university in Nairobi, and Nairobi at the at that time in the sixties and seventies um, had the strongest engineering and architecture program. So if you meet a Ugandan architect above seventy, usually they they went to Nairobi. Mm-hmm. So his friend, who's senior architect Peter Kamia, he's the one that you know designed um, the house we grew up in, and also is a good friend of his from university. So the, once I said I want to be an architect, he'd been hanging out with architects when he was a student. So it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard for me to uh, convince him. I would encourage people at that point to try to have an open discussion with their parents. Um, I've come across, uh, in some workshops I've done, I've come across students that um, their parents want them to be lawyers, but they really want to be designers, mm-hmm. for example. And then it's hard to explain yeah. to your parents what a graphic designer is. Um, so I think it was probably easier for me because architecture is a profession. And something mm-hmm. I could say, mm-hmm. yes, I'll get a job once I graduate. Um, yeah. I think it would take time for for a certain generation of parents to be open to this, but I think it's changing. So maybe someone who's 18 right now, it might be easier to have a discussion with parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, apart from uh, senior architect, Peter Kamia, uh, do you have any other architects uh, that, that inspired you on this journey that kind of made you think, yes, I mean, they're doing it, they're doing it, I can do it? Yeah, I think... So in the in the journey the journey of um, studying, uh, the grad school was was very difficult at some point. And I remember at that point, um, I first heard of David Ade. He came to my school. I went to Yale University for grad school, and he came to give a talk. And I remember really being inspired by seeing someone African. It, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen that before. Mm-hmm. And I actually mm-hmm. asked for an internship, and I got to work there. That was in two thousand four. And then in his office, I met all these other um, my age Africans from different countries like Somalia, Ethiopia, South Africa. And so that was actually really an inspiring moment uh, for me as a student. And I think um, now, now that I'm, uh, you know, set up a practice and running a practice, there are different sets of, of architects that are inspiring. Um, I think that there's the specific challenges sometimes when you're a woman, it's a very male dominated. Um, profession. So I like Tatiana Bilbao. She's based in Mexico. Um, I wouldn't say I know her personally, but I've been following her work. I think she's really great. Um, I've been teaching in Johannesburg at University of um, Johannesburg, the Graduate School of Architecture. And through that, I've met very interesting um, architects there. One of them is, is a local legend called Phil Mashabani, and he's not only an architect, but a lawyer. And I feel like with, through him, I, I learned that contracts are really important. And, you know, there's always mm-hmm. idea about setting up practice. Everyone thinks about design, but there's so many other aspects of setting up a practice that's important. I feel like I learned a lot about that from him. And I think um, the one thing I actually also found very interesting is there's many women um, that I knew when I was in high school, Gaza that are now architects and they're in different places. So for example, there's um, Philippa Tumurini. She's now um, the head of architecture school at 
University of Cape Town. But um, I think that um, there are many. I could go on and on and on. I think that the journey to becoming an architect is, is really long and mentorship is really important. And there's many different people that I've, I've learned different lessons from at different points of the journey. Yeah, I think I think that's that's really uh, great that you shared how many different people worked with you on this journey, and and I think sometimes we forget that um, when 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 you're young and you take on this path, if you don't have people to pour into your life or to encourage you on, it's very easy to to drop off, like a lot of people do. Mm. But also, I think. What you, what you highlighted about having female role models and examples who you could see and also realize that this is something that you could do and that you could have a successful practice and that you could actually do it. I, I find that um, gift to have. And, and I think it doesn't surprise me too that as an educator now yourself, uh, who also runs a practice that you know, you're also passionate about mentoring young people and just modeling a path for them to see that um, through you and your experience that they could do it too. So since we're sort of talking about, you know, so, you know, postgraduate school, you've, you know, done an internship and um, could you maybe as we transition into talking about how you moved from sort of being Doreen, sort of the the student, uh, the young intern, Early, into your early professional practice, what was that journey like for you and how did you navigate that shift? And maybe perhaps there are some lessons that uh, you could share with us that you've learned along the way. So I had internships as a student, which was really good. So there's exposure to what it's like to be in practice while you're, you know, in a safe way while you're still um, a student. Uh, I believe interns should always be paid, <laughs> number one. And also um, when people do internships, you should learn something. Um, it shouldn't be that you go there to do the work that nobody else wants to do, you know, but uh, internships should be a place we would learn, which is what I, I experienced. So I finished undergrad, then I worked for two years, then I did graduate, then I worked after that. So in, in both times, I worked for large firms. And both of them, one was L.B. Beckett, the other one was Robert Stern Architects. They were, they were large offices and they had the resources to have orientation trainings. So meaning that once I got out of school, there were, let's say, two weeks where you kind of trained uh, not only the programs, but kind of the work ethics, the, the, the line with systems, you know, the file saving system. This sounds very minor, but you basically were taught how to, what the work culture was in the office. And I realized that that is really valuable. Um, mm. It's much tougher if the office is small to know what the culture is. But larger offices tend to to have a system and, you know, these trainings that support you to kind of um, settle really well into, into the office. So I think that's how I learned a lot about um, the transition from being a student uh, to being in the office. What tips do you have on how, this, how students can choose? How, how would you advise them to go about this? So you mean the internship while they're still students? Or you mean... Yes. Okay. I think while you're still a student, also now, which country? Are you saying within Uganda? or Yeah, within Uganda. The correct way of doing things. And I'm probably now thinking more after third year for the Ugandan education system uh, because I know how important it is. And 
to just get one one foot out into the real world while you're studying. I, I noticed it at least when when I was in uh, Makerere that the the students that had a little bit of practice, like had a bit of exposure into the the practical world, had like this advantage. Like you said, like I saw that technical stuff they used less time on the technical details when we were doing projects, which meant that if they were which meant that they would use more time on the design, you know? Because the other part was kind of like like they were practicing on it while in school. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Uh, so I think so in the Ugandan system what I've what I've seen is what's very good about Makere is that the 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 intern has a logbook. So the Makere mm. interns that I've had, they come with a logbook and they certain um I guess uh things they're supposed to have learned and they go back to uh, the advisor mm. and kind of check off that they've, they've done all these things during their internship. I think that is really a good system that Macaria mm. has. Um, and so my personal, oh, I'll just give you one example. I won't tell you how long ago it was, was long ago, that when I was in undergrad and what was happening at the time is that we're transitioning from drawing by hand to computers. CAD was new at the time. So one of the internships I had, it was within the university, uh, Catholic University of America. They had a facility department and our role as interns was to document all the campus buildings in CAD, meaning we had to go mm-hmm. out and measure them and then draw them in CAD, which means we were learning CAD as yeah. we do. And so <laughs> wow, wow. one was really good. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll never forget my friends, we're, we're a team of us, that that's all we did uh, for a whole summer. And what that put us ahead because that meant that we knew mm. CAD and everyone else was still learning it. And also, when I my first job when I, after I graduated, I already knew CAD, which mm. I put me in a much better position. So mm. that's, that's just a simple um, example. I don't know if that's what you meant, Eunice. It's that struggle for the student, you know, to there is a the theory and there is presenting to lecturers and and you know uh, tutors. And then there is that confidence you get when you do something over and over again. You know, like you said, when you when you draw the card drums, when you go out and measure, you know, the first time it's maybe like, oh, hard. And then you do it the second time and the third time. And then before you know it, you know how that works, you know. And then then I think the yeah. confidence also comes when you're like, oh, I'm producing this for a farm. Yeah. So when you bounce back in school, I think there's a certain confidence that, that comes with that. That's great. I, I love what you said at the beginning that internships are a time for you to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know like it, it seems it seems like it's something obvious, but I think I think like now that I that I also teach, I and and I'll, some of my students right now are, are in this interesting period where they're you know trying to de- decide where do I apply for an internship? Like where am I going to work? And there's all this pressure, but sometimes you know I think I think students need to remember that um one, regardless of where you end up, like say you don't score that top internship in that top firm you want. You will still learn. Like, remember that regardless, you will be alert, that like, you will learn. And if you have a, a teachable attitude and a mindset, you will walk out with, with something, right? And so I, I love that. But internships are a time to learn. It's a good it's a good reminder to have. Doreen, are there any um, any things or experiences you found shocking while you were interning? What was surprising or perhaps <laughs> shocking to you? So interning, everything was new. So I, I don't, um, interning, I don't know if it was easy for me, but 
when I graduated and started working, what I found was shocking was the amount of time spent on design. Because, you know, when you're in school, you, you, you know, you have a the studio course and you're designing all afternoon, all night, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but when you're in an office, the design is such a small component of everything that you're doing. You have to learn how to take minutes. You have to go to, you know, meetings. You have to communicate with the other consultants, engineers, you know, and all these other things. So there were many other things uh, beyond just the design. And I think that that was what was most surprising for me. Mm. Well, that's that's really it's really nice to get to know you, Doreen, and kind of give us a backdrop, kind of <laughs> to start uh, to start what we actually we wanted to discuss with you today, which is which is actually a topic that where we we think is important, and to just continue on, I think where we started professional practice, mm-hmm. um, making the transition from school to office or to work. Uh, like you said, this, we we spend a lot of time in design school learning how to design, which is, I mean, that's what we are there to do. But then, the the the, the fact is that we are going to go out and design these buildings, furniture. I mean, design together with other disciplines. And the question is, are we prepared when when we go out, or you know, and how do we prepare to go out? So. My first question is, when should one start thinking about professional practice? Well, I think that um, so a lot of programs have these practical training, you know, industrial training or internships um, mm-hmm. as early as the second year, you know, then third year, then fourth year. Um, and then most programs have the professional practice course in the final semester before you graduate. But I actually think that this talk about um, the actual practice we should be had with architecture, not only architecture students like the first year, if we could go even back to high school, people who are thinking of being an architect. Mm-hmm. I think they need to know about the reality of, of practice even then. What are the opportunities that are there for 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 students to learn? Because like we said, the core of internships is to learn. And sometimes maybe not everyone gets a placement in a in a design firm because, I mean, not all design firms have the capacity to have as many, you know, as many students or interns as possible. Do we have any, do you, do you know any other ways of, of allowing yourself to learn? Is it okay to, if you're an architect, for example, to intern at a design firm? Well, I've, so what I've seen here in Kampala is um, industrial training, so internship. Sometimes it's with architecture firms, and you're right, that then there may not be enough placements for everyone. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's actually with construction companies. Those are also really good internships because you end up on a site mm-hmm. and you see how things come together. And then in terms of design, like product design, I only know of Design Without Borders. Mm. So there are a lot of uh, both Makere and even Nkosi graduates, architects who are now at Design Without Borders and they're doing more product design. But mm. their background their, tra- their background and um, training in architecture is very informative for that. So I think that would also be a good place uh, for an internship. You've talked about a professional course or pro- professional practice course uh, in the final year of architecture school, is this a course that is available to, in all architecture schools in Uganda, or is it 
rather new? No, so professional practice has been, if I was to speak about, so I'm speaking about Makere because that's the curriculum that I know the best. Um, mm. I know at Makere there's a professional practice course. It was taught by Dr. Nawangri for a long time. So there are four architecture programs in Uganda. Makere, Chambogo, IUEA, International University of East Africa. They have the traditional five-year program, and I believe in all of them they have the professional practice. Then UMU is the only one, that's Uganda Matters University, it's the only one that's the, the two-part system. The three, then they have to work, plus another three. But I think, yeah, it's a course that's an, in a core part of the curriculum, um, at least at Makere. And um, my experience of it, I, I took one course in undergrad, then another one in grad. And to me, the best part, and this was in the master's program, the professor teaching us actually took us to three, like physically, we went, we visited three types of practices. One really large one, like over 200 people. Then one that was mid-size, which in that setting was about 30 people. Then a really small one with six people. Mm-hmm. And we got to ask questions like, um, you know, like get to know the pros and cons of, you know, being in different settings. And that was really valuable. Now, I was going to say, I remember uh, while I was working at one of the practices, this is uh, Robertson Architects, I was actually responsible for, there were some students coming in. Now, those were high school students, which is why I'm saying even high school students should should know. People should know before university what it's, what it's about to be in a practice. And anyway, so me and one of the other architects in the office were taking them around. And I'll never forget this moment. Um, at the end, that the architect has given the tour with basically says to them, think very carefully before you want to be an architect because my brother is a lawyer <laughs> and he makes a lot of money, more money than me. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that was really funny. But um, <laughs> in what I learned in, in um, the professional practice is that, yeah, it's first of all, it takes a very long time to make money. And actually, so I designed fundamentals, the very first course uh, at, I was teaching at Uganda Matters. And in the very first class, that's the first thing I say. I say, if you think you want to make money immediately, this is not the right course for you. Switch to economics or business administration or something like that. Eventually, we make money, but it takes us longer. So you have to have the patience, you have to have passion for what you're doing, you know, all these things. Yeah, but but it sounds like what was also um, inspiring about that experience was the fact that uh, as students, you know, students got to go on site and they got to go to the studios or these farms and actually see yeah. the architects in context. And I, I think... Um, in reflecting back on uh, our secondary school days, high school days, I, I remember there were those career days. Every once in a while, you know, be like this like random career day and they'd bring, you know, people from different professions to come and talk to us. But I actually don't ever remember going mm-hmm. or seeing yeah. any profession or in anything. I don't know if either, if either one of you ever had that experience in high school. I didn't. no. And yeah, even with me, they came to us. You know, they these different yeah. came and, and spoke at her. Yeah, yeah. I think it makes a difference to actually see see the context of um, 
where perhaps you might end up working if you took on that profession and also helps to paint the profession in a diff- in a more realistic light, I feel. Yeah. So that struck me as something that was different. So so Dory, now that you're, you know, this is this next question here is going to ask of you as that as an employee and maybe even as an educator, someone that has hired and has uh, mentored young people as they're interning with you or even as they're starting out in their early careers. What are just broadly speaking, some general lessons, um, things that, that you would, as, as you talk to a young and aspiring architect right now, perhaps listening to you, what are some general lessons that they should keep in mind about you know, just this experience of transitioning from school to professional practice? Well, that's a really good question. I think the best way to tell is I'll give an example of uh, an employee I interviewed and actually hired. So um, I, I've always I've already noted that most graduates straight fresh out of um, any university in Uganda, um, when they come to interview for their first job, there are many assumptions that they have um, that are, are not, you know, their their assumptions. And I, I think it's because of what I said earlier, the things that they may not have found out in high school or in first year or second year, they're hearing something for the first time when they come for the interview. So um, with this uh, young graduate, um, I asked him in the interview, so what I, I said in the interview that, you know, there's me, there's you, and then there's a company. We're both working for the company. So, for example, if you're working for Apple and you helped make the next new iPhone, that iPhone belongs to Apple. So the same applies here. Any work that you do, it belongs to the company that we're both working for. Then he said to me, what if I did all the work? (laughs) And I was really surprised. I said, okay, let let me understand what you mean when you say you did all the work. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> so, when, so um, I said, do you mean uh, like the drafting and the drawing? And it's like, yeah, if I did all the drawings, you know, did all, all the, 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 whatever, you know, like developing the drawings, the drawing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So I said, okay, let me explain to you the phases of a project. So there's something within the office that we call phase zero. That is when I, I first meet the client. Sometimes I meet clients, um, you know, as architects, sometimes you, it's only through networking that you meet clients. We are not allowed to advertise mm-hmm. the profession. So you might meet a client and they have a site and they may actually even take you to the site. Normally when I go, that's for free, the first site visit. And then they could disappear for two years. They're still thinking about it. Then they come back and then they say, I had one client that said, okay, I have the site, I have a title. I want to put up a commercial building, but I'm not sure what to put on the first floor, the second floor. Should it be six stories? Should it be four stories? So you kind of to- help the the um, the client through the program. You almost make the program for them, and then present a, a client brief to them. So that's just what I do: play a client brief with um, then you know like the contract, saying okay, mm-hmm. the, these are the phases we're going through. This is how much it costs to get the drawings. I'll, there'll be need, need to be you know just talk the client through all that. That's all phase zero. So that can take up to two years before they now say, okay, and they give you a deposit to start. So now I asked the guy, <laughs> the, the, uh, <laughs> interview, that you know how much that is compared to the drafting in terms of just 
time out. Oh. So I say, okay, so then the, the project lands in the office already with a program that I've created with the client. So I then say, I say to you, okay, here's the program. Let's start with the site plan. You know, so, so then phase one is the concept. Phase two is the schematic design. Phase three is the working drawings. At working drawings, then there's an, a structure engineer, a mechanical, electrical, a QS. Uh, there could even be a land, um, sometimes a land surveyor at the very beginning. Mm. Uh, sometimes it could be a landscape architect uh, with the working drawings. So then I, I say, so as I'm saying this, I see that he, he genuinely looks like he's hearing all this for the first time. So I said, all those other guys, they're also producing drawings. Uh, and then when all those drawings are done, then we go for approvals. Then there's this whole process of getting approvals, which can take um, up to three months, depending. And then afterwards, there's construction where someone has to oversee the construction and that, you know, takes. So when I explain all this to him, then I ask him again, so do you still think you're doing all the work? And he said no. <laughs> so I yeah, had to... <laughs> and, then, and then there is uh, reviewing the whole project, you know, going over what everyone else has done, making sure yeah. that everything is up to what the client wants. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, all these things, boy. yeah, uh, you're constantly checking the client at each point. And sometimes you mm. can actually, uh, in, at concept, there can be three different options. Then you pick one, then you move to schematic, but in schematic, somehow two options can come, you know? It's a lot of work. Yeah, and so uh, I actually hired him because he looked genuinely surprised and open to learning. And uh, with him, together we made that, I made a diagram of, of that, you know, all those phases because it then helps me explain this not only to employees but also to the client. I guess the message I'll have for people that are uh, about to start work or like, you know, young graduates looking for placements is, I know that the, you know, Macari takes the cream of the cream. So people that graduate from Macari, they're really smart. They're really sharp um, students. And so sometimes it's really hard to then imagine that you're going to work and start almost from zero again. Mm -hmm. so what I want to encourage every student is however smart you are, once you get to, or, you know, however clever you are, once you get to the office, you're really starting from zero. There's a lot you have to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's um so what I try to find when I'm um interviewing people is are you willing to learn? That's what I look for in the interview. That's that's really valuable and I hope I hope a lot of those young um and upcoming architects, maybe students are listening and can remember that that having a teachable and a learning mindset mm. is yeah. huge and key when you're um, looking to make a good first impression, but also, you know, when you're starting out, that even an internship is, is a beginning of something new and you should be open to learning. Just, I mean, different studios and firms will have their own cultures yeah. as well. So yeah. knowing that that's to be expected. And I think when when, when one understands that, the, the wholeness, you know, of the whole enterprise, that architecture is also business, Yes. If, if I think if students mm. understand that, then then it's easier. It's easier also to 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 transition into the work culture of whatever yeah. office you get into because because then you understand how things work and you understand why things are the way mm. they are. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, we have, we're almost at the, the tip of an iceberg. There's so many things that, um, go into what it means to transition from school to practice. And I mm. think what you said is so true. Um, you know, the fact that we're running a business, it's never mentioned when we're in school. We're yeah. kind of in school, we're trained uh, to how to design, how to think, you know, mm-hmm. technical skills. Um, and although professional practice prepares us for transitioning into practice, we, we, we don't have, we're not given any business skills. And actually, I should say that one of um, the things that, are, that has been very helpful to me, so my dad, who I mentioned at the very early uh, beginning of the talk, he went to University of Nairobi and he was actually in the business school. And um, most of the Ugandans there were in the architecture program. That's why his friends were architects. Um, but having um, both my parents went to business school, having a family that is, has a business uh, background has helped me a lot because I can kind of um, speak to them about certain things that they understand immediately because they that's what they learned in school and that's uh, mm-hmm. what they're doing. And there's certain things that are very common sense to them that are not necessarily common sense to architects. One more question for you, Doreen. What is the state of design and architecture in Africa today, according to you? The state of design and architecture. Um, what I would say is that right now it's a very optimistic time for design and architecture because um, what I've seen working in different uh, cities in the West is their cities, first of all, are much older, um, much more built up. So most, a lot of projects are renovations. Whereas over here, there's a lot more um, space to grow and not as heavy regulations about certain things. So um, there's more potential. There's also certain challenges. But I think that um, Africa is more and more becoming this place that um, everyone is looking to because of all the potential uh, that we have. So I, I think I think there's a trend here that that as you're thinking about it being optimistic, I think it's speaking to this really interesting moment in time that we're in where you know you talk about there being more possibilities and, and I think you know we are we are seeing the young people who are in architecture or design school today have more access to to examples of people who've been there who've done it in so many different ways so many possibilities for us to grow for us to uh, take ownership and leadership of creating in our own contexts and and so yes your course, your answer was right on and I think there's an interesting theme and pattern here that speaks to that sort of like general tide like we're sort of like you know coasting and we're getting to this really interesting place thank you very much Doreen for joining us today thank you thank you, thank you Eunice I look forward to coming back again soon if you enjoyed listening to this episode Please join us for more conversations and interviews with African educators, creatives, architects, urban planners, and designers as they share their knowledge and experiences about practicing in Africa and the diaspora. Remember to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with other people that might be interested in this content. Thank you for joining us today.